Reading a good book, listening to a great album, these things are always a pleasure in life, right? But when these wonderful works of art were created by people that you've had the good fortune to talk with over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, it makes the experience that much richer and that much more meaningful, no? I was thinking exactly that while reading the book written by our guest this month, Carlos Romangosan. Carlos is one of the first people I ever met in Barcelona. And after having known him for nearly 10 years, I have no idea why I didn't think to interview him sooner because he is exactly the kind of person that inspired me to want to create the Metropolitan Culture Corner in the first place. Sometimes the people that we talk to on this interview series have won all kinds of awards, their household names, but others who've had a significant impact on the culture of our city and beyond aren't necessarily people that you would have heard of, but without them, Barcelona and its creative community wouldn't be what it is today. Carlos is one of those people. Carlos Romagosa was a founding member of one of the very first live music groups that ever existed in post-war Barcelona back in 1958. They were called Las Estrellas Fugaces, which means the shooting stars. And six decades later, he's still an active part of the local music scene. And I personally am a fan of what he does. He's a part of Spain's musical history in a way that very few are. And in the meantime, he's also been a journalist, an actor, a clown. He acted in the film Tren de Sombras, which won awards for the best fantasy film in Europe in 1996. And he recently released his first book, which is called Cuando el Ocio no existía, which translates literally to when leisure didn't exist or when fun didn't exist. So that title pretty much sums up the music and culture scene back when he and his friends started their band in 1958. Think about the historical context, right? This is only a couple of years after Elvis started out, which is essentially when rock and roll was born. But while Elvis was operating in post-World War II America, Carlos's band was formed under the thumb of a dictatorship, which was not a fan of this kind of music or fun in general. So it's pretty amazing to hear his story. And aside from the significant political and cultural context, his book also contains dozens of the typical silly on the road stories that are such an integral part of music life. I really admire his energy and his enthusiasm for art and for life in general. Carlos has agreed to do this interview with us in English, which we appreciate a lot. So please welcome to the Metropolitan Culture Corner, author, musician, storyteller in general, a living legend on the Barcelona music scene, Carlos Romagosa. What is the most important thing for you, for your band, when you're playing on stage? Transmission of happiness. The happiness is contained in the time that a song lasts. The time of, of one song, this is happiness. Three minutes, maybe. I like that. <laughs> or a conversation, this is happiness. Living in the moment. This is easy. We love contact with the people, like all artists. Hello, and thank you for being with us today. You started playing music for fun with your friends when you were a teenager, and your first instrument was the guitar. So why did you start playing guitar, and what attracted you to that instrument? I started to play music when I was 10 years, 10 years old. I studied piano at home with an old lady. She was a terrible teacher. Not terrible, but like a film of Almodovar, the, the Spanish director, this teacher. She was a splendid actress for Almodovar. I didn't learn anything, but it was the beginning. One day, I saw a boy of my age coming from a building with a guitar. Oh, I had maybe 13 years old. A guitar, what is this? That image had a strong impact. And I put all the money that I earned working in a, in a factory. And with the money, I buy my first guitar, acoustic guitar. And when you started your first band, which was in 1958, which is right when rock and roll was being born in this post-war era in the US, post-World War II, here, post-Civil War. But none of your bandmates really knew how to play <laughs> the instruments. So 
why did you decide to form a band? What did music mean to you at the time? You have to understand that Spain in 1958, it was a country after four years of civil war, 1936-1939. Franco, with the help of the Catholic Church, political education, it was terrible. We were 15 years old. We can create a social club or a hiking club, but no, we decided to do a thing to boil our blood. It was the music. So you decided rather than create a hiking club, you thought, no, we want to create something to inspire other people and ourselves, right? Yes. The music was a special thing, very important for all the people like us, the young people, 15, 16. We were the first group in this sense. Eh? You just published a book about the band called Cuando Elogio No Existía, which means when fun didn't exist. So <laughs> it's a very strong statement. What was the music scene like in Barcelona in 1958. I mean, was there a music scene at all? I talk about the history of our group, my first band, but all the dancing, all the music was for adults. Los cabarets, Las Cibeles, La Paloma, only the adults going to dance, but not music for the young. We created a new concept for the young. The system, the political system, was exactly correct. But with the music, it was a surprise. Every Sunday in a theater in the center of Barcelona, Calderón Theater, now it's a big hotel. And at the end of the concert, all the street, it was full. Many, 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 many young people waiting for the music. It was fantastic. The political, this may be dangerous. So they were not a fan of rock and roll. They take a carpenter, a syndicate. We must to play with another orchestra professionals. When we have a contract, they go there, they sing, and then away. They don't play. So you had to have an official identity card to be a musician under Franco. Yes, the control is the system. The problem is with the music, we have no records. Rock and roll records that don't arrive from Spain. Arrive later. We are lucky because Barcelona is 140 kilometers, I don't know, in miles to French. And there's a possibility to go to buy the music. You bought rock and roll records yeah. in France and brought them back. Yeah. Presley recorded that for Right Mama in 1954. We have not Chubby Chucker, Little Richard, not arrived this year. And I remember that the rock and rolls that we play in the band was always from gospel and rhythm and blues, and we adapted. At the time, Elvis was doing the same thing, you know? He would adapt spiritual music to rock and roll, and it was kind of a scandal, no? So here was the kind of music you played considered a scandal or not? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Our function is create something that not exist before. What was the reaction this of the audience, people your age? What was their reaction to these first gigs with the band and these first concerts in the theater? It was fantastic. And the more important is when the girls, they do a party to arrive to 80. Mm -hmm. This is the middle class, middle high class. And then we begin to touch money. <laughs> this was important. We was invited to dinner with them. It was like to be my Jagger. You were like my Jagger. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, but I was born the same year that my Jagger, Julio Iglesias, and singers like Rafael. <laughs> we are the same year. So you're all of the same musical generation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the leaders of the urban movement, the social, religious, and sexual, and moral. Mm -hmm. And we were first young revolution of the history. The first 
Young Revolution was in May 1618 in Paris or in Berkeley in 69. But they was 10 years younger than I. We was the first to begin to do something in the society. Before the summer of love and all the revolution of the 60s, you guys were already rebelling against the system in the 50s. Yes, 10 years before. So what is the craziest or the most important or most memorable show that you ever played with your band? It was a concert, a double concert, Saturday and Sunday, near Barcelona, dancing till two in the morning. And when finished, we must go to sleep in the organizers' houses. So then put 15 people in a van, it goes to 6, 6, 60, 80 kilometers from Barcelona. Four, five, six, seven in the morning, we absolutely tired. And when we arrived to the village at nine o'clock, we hope go to sleep. No, no. The mother said, we must go to mess. So you had to go after the concert? The church, the church. <laughs> Sleeping. By the way, has tocado en la casa de Dalí o lo he entendido mal? Sí, sí, yes. It's in Yacadaquez. It's a special place. I don't remember what. Maybe for a party. <laughs> Not every musician in Spain or Catalonia can say, yeah, I played at Dali's house. I don't know why. I don't really remember that. <laughs> the book explains the story behind the band, all these adventures, all these crazy trips you guys took, all the teachers and the people who helped you grow as musicians and everything. But this happened a long time ago. So why did you decide now is a good moment to write the story of one of the first bands ever after the Civil War? Somebody need to write the history. I remember 63 years ago. If I don't write this, don't exist. And there is a part I think is important. We was not music in the school. You read exactly the music and we play, we do music, but we are not music. We have some help. We know a magnificent pianist, composer. He stood in Barcelona, Conservatorio, to Paris, Escuela Cantorum of Paris. Name is Juan Guinjuan. He was a fantastic composer of the Gaudí Symphony. He comes at home, he distributes all the boys and we play the music. Everyone for one and after we put together and we played. We was a group with perfect harmony because Juan Juan, the teacher, he put exactly harmony. We played very, very, very exactly. Because he would make the arrangements and make you learn them note by note. Yes. I remember one day in the Club de Polo, we were singing the Brothers Four. The one, the one, there was a couple dancing and she said to the boy, oh, it's fantastic, it's perfect. And he said, it's a recording. <laughs> We play exactly the music that we play. You guys sounded so good, you sounded like a recording. Sí, sí. Él se pensaba que era un disco. Nice. Son perfectos. Y dice, no seas tonta, ¿no ves que es un disco? Es fantástico para nosotros. And was so important to the local scene and so important to this young generation of people in Barcelona. And you guys were having such a good time. What happened? Why did the band end? Yes, yeah, normal. It's time. Because we began to study at university and music... Uh, to study engineering, economy, and then we must decide what to do with our lives. One, the other, separated, no? It's normal. There was other groups, they continue, los Mustangs, los Sirex, the representatives, the agent. We have not agent, never. This was the reason. I know the band never recorded, right? You have no recording. No, never. I don't know why, because never, never, never. 
Never we recorded anything. In between the Estrellas Fugaces and your current musical project, Son de la Rambla, you took time off from playing to do a lot of other things. <laughs> you studied to be a clown, you were in films, you were a journalist, you had a family. I mean, it seems like you really love to communicate. So do you, do you see music and architecture as separate types of vocations or do you just love to communicate in general? Like for me, it's rich, it's fantastic. You have always many, many, many things to do. Saturday, I was in a program for television and now we deal with the interview. I do many things in my life. And the last baby is Sondra Rambla. Sondra Rambla was an opportunity to come back to the music. And how did the project of Sondra Rambla begin? What made you want to play Cuban music? What connection do you have to Cuba? We were in Cuba in 2002, my colleagues. I arrived at Sondra Rambla maybe in 2005 and discovered Son Cubano. Sonde la Rambla existed already and you joined them later. Yo llegué más tarde en Barcelona, pero el embrión el grupo formed in 2002 in Santiago de Cuba. Discovered this music. We want to play this music. It's different. The occidental music, the time is pa, pa, pa. And the music is pa, pa, pa. It's, a, it's not, not exactly good the time. It's very difficult for us. And we started, we go to Santiago de Cuba every year. We play in the festivals of the La Trova and the zona Santiago de Cuba. And we learned with the music from Santiago Cuba, very important. Santiago Cuba is different than La Habana. The music is more more simple, more natural. In Barcelona, also when some Cuban music comes, he comes with us and we learn new concerts, new Cuban concerts. We play just simple, no, no more. You say it's simple, but there are eight people in the band. <laughs> if you are trying to play very straightforward, simple music, how do you create those arrangements? Who writes the music? How does that work? The music is traditional Cuban music and we have our composition Tino P, Tresero, the Tres Three he composed but normally it's traditional music. And then how do you begin the arrangements? Always we have some Cuban music near us and they explain what's Cuban and what is not Cuban. Son de la Rambla is known for traditional Cuban music but during your concerts you have a rap song so that's not exactly traditional. <laughs> this, this. You do it this. <laughs> this is a rap. <laughs> I was thinking what happened when a rich man arrived to Cuba. The first thing is that all, not all, but the girls, you are fantastic. You are the best of the world, más guapo. Eh? And that's not true. Eh? They want to say another thing. I look in the mirror and I saw that I am not the, the more beautiful of the civilization. <laughs> Between all, we are 535 years. You mean the age of everybody, of the band? Everybody, everybody. Mm -hmm. In 78, we are all people playing fantastic music. But the people that hear us are 30 years, and then the rap connected directly. <laughs> A lot of musicians, they take themselves very, very seriously, no? But you guys seem to find a good balance between this great traditional music and fun. People dancing, a sense of humor, have fun playing, and you still <laughs> are inspired. Yes. What keeps you? inspired about music. We have honest music, you more. We arrived at 535 years between all because we have the, the fortune, the luck to play. For me, one difference is every day that I go to play, I'm happy because it's a good luck. 
at our age. Do so you feel like the live music scene in Barcelona was better before or it's better now or is it just different? I don't know because really, sorry, I, I don't go to the, the festivals and the, I have no time. 78 years old is people the 25. <laughs> What do I do there? <laughs> so how do you maintain the energy? Don't take nothing, no drugs, no alcohol. I don't smoke. <laughs> I never smoke one cigarette in my life. And no, the, the solution is to be conscious while living and positive emotions, not negative emotions. If you were going to give advice to a young musician who wants to play for the next 60 years, what would you tell him? <laughs> He or she, that they study the musical theory and also the instrument. Don't trust everything to intuition, to talent. It's necessary. Study, work, and enjoy the music. Sounds like good advice to me. You're one of the first bands I ever saw in Barcelona, and I had no idea that later I would have the opportunity to interview you. So thank you very, very much. Muchísimas gracias. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Carlos. I'm really looking forward to your next book, as well as to your next concerts when things open up a little bit more and there's a stage big enough to hold all eight of you from Son de la Rambla. For all of our Metropolitan Culture Corner viewers, I highly recommend checking out Son de la Rambla, whether it's in person at a club near you or online on YouTube, because I know Carlos was talking about how they have their 500 and however many years between them because they're all in their 70s and 80s but these men have so much energy and they're a ton of fun and they're vintage they're Barcelona's living musical legends so I recommend them very highly and when you check out his book I'd also recommend checking out the playlist that he has included in the back of the book with links lyrics all kinds of stuff and seeing that list of songs seeing the kind of music they played reading the lyrics and imagining singing those words in front of a bunch of teenagers in the year 1958 under a Franco dictatorship it really puts what they were doing in context Tune in next month for more fantastic stories by the people who make Barcelona the crazy, creative, vibrant city that it is. See you then, same time, same official Metropolitan YouTube channel. And in the meantime, have a wonderful summer.